Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking all about trauma, healing, and where to really begin on your journey and how this impacts relationships and what to do about triggers. So, so, so juicy. Trigger warning, this episode does talk about sexual assault. So heads up, if that's not something that you want to hear, um, now would be a good time to go ahead and turn off this podcast episode. Did you know that 87% of teenage girls received a say no to sex type of sex education? Unfortunately, most of us did not receive a quality sex education, and that is why I created the Sex Ed You Wish You Had, which is a comprehensive adult sex education. 73% of women are still confused about what a vulva is, according to HuffPost, and I find that so many women don't know proper genital terminology, they don't know the basics of their hormones, the different birth control options, or even lubricants, toys, and other pleasure-enhancing products that are available. And that is why I created this comprehensive sex ed to help all women get the basics of their sexual health and understand their bodies more. After the sex ed you wish you had, you are going to feel empowered as a sexual being and feel knowledgeable about how your body works. If you're listening to this and you are thinking about how you really wish you had more information about sex and sexual health, then this is for you. September is Sexual Health Awareness Month, and I am offering the sex ed you wish you had all month long. This is a self-paced program to help you understand your body more. This is for you if you received an abstinence-based, shame-based sex ed, or just no sex ed in period, or just no sex ed at all. You desire to understand the basics about your body and sex, and you want to feel confident as a sexual being, or you are wanting to start your sexual exploration journey. I can't wait to see you in the sex ed you wish you had. If you'd like to learn more, go to jordandanelle.com backslash sex ed. Can't wait to see you there. Joining me today is Jamuna Rosner. She is a trauma-informed coach, guide, facilitator, and creator of Transcend, a trauma-informed coaching certification program. Jamuna is a friend of mine out here in San Diego, and she began her trauma-informed journey over 10 years ago by supporting women around addiction and codependency. And she has grown into coaching other coaches, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders through their own traumas to create massive breakthrough. Jamuna's greatest mission is to expand trauma-informed coaching into the world by helping coaches develop the skills and confidence to take their clients deeper and facilitate bigger breakthroughs, all while staying client-centered. Alrighty. So I'm so excited to have you here, Jamuna, to talk more about trauma. I kind of want to start off with what exactly is trauma? We hear this all the time, especially on social media right now. Trauma is, I don't want to call it a buzzword, but it's kind of become a buzzword. So let's define that before we really jump into anything else today. Yeah. Great question. And it has 
It's a good thing and not a good thing. That's right. Because it's good because the awareness has been brought up, but people also use it now, I think, out of context. It can be dangerous for how people speak about things because you could think that maybe this person is more, knows more about something than they do. So just side note. But for me, I always like to describe trauma as too much, too fast, too soon for the body to process or handle. It also is something that lives in the body and it needs a safe environment in order to come out. So I think that's the basic definition I'll give. Yeah. So I've heard the term big traumas and small traumas. What are kind of the different types of traumas that somebody can experience? Yeah. So like a big, it's a big T and a little T trauma. So the psychology has kind of moved away from big T, little T, but I'll still talk about it. I still talk about it in my course as well, because it is what people are used to talking about. So a big T trauma is what most people think of when they think of trauma period, right? It's war, combat war, car accidents, sexual assaults, physical assaults, right? A big T trauma is something that is a big event, it usually has a beginning, middle and end. And a small T trauma is a little bit harder to pinpoint. And that's where people usually have a a lot of little T trauma, and they don't realize that that was trauma in their life, right? So this could be things like an emotional abuse, psychological abuse, verbal abuse, a breakup, someone cheating on you, a hard like a divorce. Divorce could kind of be (laughs) big T, I think, but it depends on what it is, right? So there are the smaller traumas that could can really compound over time and become something that's bigger, especially if they're not healed along the way. Yeah. So when I think of trauma, a lot of times for me, like my initial thought is sexual assault trauma. And I think that it's a much broader definition than just that. And we can be impacted in many different ways and it still leave a lasting impact in our life if we're not doing the healing and really looking at what's happening. How do you think trauma impacts our sex lives? Yeah, it's huge. So it's such a big topic. Like we could go on for hours on this, right? But yes. So the amount of reported sexual trauma is about 25%. So that's one in every four people that you know, right? So it's a, it's a huge amount of people and that's just reported. So most people have dealt with some kind of sexual trauma in their life, whether that's been a direct assault or not. It's, very impactful and can create a lot of challenges in relationship if it's not been healed or processed through because the relationship or the partner could do things that would trigger that. So if you are somebody who has experienced like a sexual trauma, how do you start healing from that? Yeah, I would definitely say like, Sexual trauma is not my specialty. I'm a trauma-informed coach, but I'm not a therapist. And so when someone has a lot of sexual trauma or a big traumatic event that happens, such as an assault, I do recommend getting therapy. EMDR is really 
powerful for healing sexual trauma. So is somatic work. So there's a couple different modalities that are very trauma informed in the therapy world. And there's some therapists that aren't even trauma informed, but (laughs) so not all therapy is created equal. So going to someone who actually knows how to help you process through that is really big, but EMDR is really supportive to help someone process through those types of traumas. So if someone comes to me and they have that experience, I always recommend a secondary support system because what can come up in session could be really big. And you as a coach, if any coaches are listening, or if you have clients like that, then it's really important to make sure they're really supported. So in a relationship, that's the first and foremost, most important thing, right? If you've had sexual trauma, it's to really get support on your own, but also to be open and honest about that with your partner so that the two of you can create safety within the relationship, right? If the person isn't sharing about it with their partner, then their partner could unknowingly trigger trauma. So not saying like on the first date, you say it, but if you've been in a partnership, this is something that when trust is built, trauma heals and safety. So if you don't have that safety created with your partner, it's going to be really hard to heal through that together. And it could be really supportive to have that person be there to support you through healing it as well. Do you have any recommendations for how to create that safety with a partner? Yeah. So (laughs) it's going to be different for everyone, right? Depending on what their, what that person needs in order to feel safe. So the first thing I recommend is exploring what does safety feel like for you and what do you need as a human to feel safe? And then what do you need in a relationship to feel safe? So if you have open communication with your partner, then you're able to communicate this, this makes me feel safe. This doesn't, this is a a trigger. This feels really triggering to me. I can't do this thing, right? To be able to really communicate what feels safe and what doesn't. So especially when there's past trauma, and especially if it's sexual in nature, the partner really needs that safe foundation to be able to heal through it. Not that it's the other person's job because it's definitely not. You should have outside support as well. But if you can create that safety, then it's something the two of you can really like work on together. So some things, some people might feel safe in just having a hug or really feeling heard having someone be really present with them, right? Your love languages will speak to these, right? So if somebody has a quality time love language, they're going to really need someone to express presence and connection when they're speaking to them about something to feel safe, I would imagine. And physical touch, they might need someone to just hold them that feels safe. So it's going to depend on the person and what their experience has been like, because it's not going to be a blanket answer for everyone. So really learning about what is it, what does feel safe for you? What does safety feel like for you? And you brought up another word that has been kind of a buzzword out in the community, triggered. And Triggered is a word that I think has been a little bit overused and probably used inappropriately a lot of times on social media right this moment. But what does it mean to be triggered? 
Yeah. So in this sense, when we're talking about a sexual assault, you could be quite literally triggered. It could bring up a memory, a past memory. It could bring up that memory of the assault. It could bring up, you could be triggered if you had parents who were not attuned to your needs. If you had an abusive parent, you could be, especially in relationships, you could be triggered into feeling like you're in that same dynamic, that same struggle as when you were a child. So you could be triggered into, oh, this person is now talking to me like how my dad talked to me. He's raising his voice. Now I don't feel safe. The trigger is it has definitely become a buzzword on social media, but to be triggered usually means that you're going into a trauma response, right? So you could get triggered to the state of becoming going into a fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, right? So a trauma response or a stress response in the body is going into your survival mode. So everyone knows fight, flight, freeze. There's a fourth one called fawn, which is people pleasing, essentially, right? So if someone is, if your partner is triggering parental figures, which is usually what happens, then those responses could come up if you go all the way into that trigger, right? So sometimes it's a trigger where you just start getting tightness in your chest or heat in your body, right? Heat's like an indicator of anger boiling up. So sometimes we could get like heat in our body or like a knot in our stomach and we're starting to get triggered. Sometimes we can go full-blown trauma response. Now we're in fight, flight, freeze, fun, and we're going to try and overcome this quote-unquote attack that's happening. I would love to talk more about the trauma responses, the flight, fight, freeze, and fawn. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the flight trauma response looks like? Yeah. So flight is to get away, right? So we think about primal instincts. If we think about back in caveman days and there's tigers and bears and all sorts of things, right? So the flight response is to run away, right? It could also look like some avoidant behavior can come up with flight. So it's to get away. So if you're feeling like your partner is attacking you, then your response could be to get out, get away. And so that that person could just say, I got to go and leave. It could look like hanging up on the phone, (laughs) right? It's like to get away. You need to get away to survive. And so if that is the response, it's kicked in and you really don't have control over it once it's gone full into that response. Your brain has now gone into survival mode and you need to complete that cycle before you can come back to homeostasis. What does fight look like? The fight trauma response? Yeah. So fight is quite literally what it says, right? To fight the attacker. So the brain is saying I'm being attacked. So it's the same thing as if I was to be attacked by a bear or a tiger, right? It's the same response. Our brain hasn't really caught up to all of our technological advances in life. So our brain is quite literally thinking like, we are going to die. I have to fight this thing away. So fight res- <laughs> fight response in a relationship could look like it could get physical, which is obviously not ideal, but it could just be raising voice, getting really angry, going into the attack mode verbally. And then what about freeze? What is the freeze trauma response look like? Yeah. So again, if we're using the caveman days, a freeze response would be like a bear's coming. Let me per- play dead and protect myself so I can be safe. So freezing in a relationship can look like complete shutdown, going numb, not speaking, shutting 
down. It's like system <laughs> shut down, like going down. And if you could see me, I'm like contracting rather than expanding, right? So if you've seen someone kind of go into freeze, like they go in, like they're crouching in, like it's like scared of the world, right? Some milder examples of freeze could just be like deer in headlights. You, some people leave their bodies so they could disassociate. So those are all examples of what happens when freeze. And then the last one, fawn trauma response. What does that look like? So fawning is like to appease. So it's a codependency response, <laughs> so to speak. So it's then if I can get this person to agree with me, then I'm safe. It doesn't really work in the caveman examples, but <laughs> it's like the newer the newer response that that they figured out. So it's if I can get the person who's attacking me to like me, then I'm safe. So it could go into, you know what, you're right in an argument, right? It could go, Oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. You're right. Or like saying, never mind. I don't need that anymore. My needs don't matter. Whatever you need. How do I make it better? So it could look like that really going into people pleasing. I think that understanding those is so important for understanding our patterns because a lot of us have these trauma responses that we naturally go into. I know for me, like I typically avoid, I, I flight. That is my typical trauma response. I have definitely little components of all the others as well, but primarily I run away. And for somebody listening to this podcast who is maybe not started their healing journey or is maybe newer to the healing journey, how do you get out of a trauma response cycle? Yeah, that's a, such a good question. So there's different theories on this. Peter Levine is a great person and resource for anyone who's interested in learning more about trauma responses and the way that the body holds trauma. So he created the somatic experience. It's 30, 40, 50 years old, something like that. And it's the concept which talks about how the body basically holds trauma, right? And so that we have to release the trauma that's in our body in order to move through the process. So it could go in a lot of different ways. <laughs> For instance, like if you had a flight response, it could be like that running would be healing for you because it's moving the body and you're like moving the energy through your body to get it out. If your response is fight, it could be it could be helpful to do something like punching your pillow or your bed or screaming into a pillow, something that's a safe way of releasing anger because there's some kind of need to fight something, right? So it depends on what the response is. Freeze is a little difficult. There is something, some aspect of like cocooning that's helpful. If you're free, if you're frozen, you could like actually allow yourself to go into like a ball under a blanket and like allow yourself to be in that kind of cocoon for a short period of time, not for like hours and hours. But sometimes if it's a severe freeze response and that doesn't work, then there's other techniques to like get yourself out of a trauma response. Again, a EMDR therapist or a trauma-informed therapist is going to have a lot of these tools for people. And then like a fawn, I actually don't know how you move it out of the body because 
<laughs> it doesn't have the same kind of feeling as the other ones, but movement is always really supportive to move energy through the body instead of it allowing it to get stuck, right? So I'm sure everyone's familiar with emotions and stuffing them down and not letting yourself feel. So if you do that with any of them, then you're not going to be able to release whatever is coming up for you. But understanding your triggers is really important because the trigger comes before the trauma response. So then you can explore what is the trigger that got me here so that I have this trigger to work on. This is something that gets to heal. Mm, I think that's so important is identifying your triggers. I know for me, it's kind of a learning curve on identifying what triggers me. And I don't know that I'm triggered until I'm triggered. And so after the fact, then I have to go back and look at, okay, so I was triggered. Why was I triggered? What was it specifically? What did that specifically look like? And then be able to take note of that for the future to look for those signs beforehand. Would you say that that's pretty normal for a lot of people? Yeah, 100%. That's going to be the learning curve, right? So before you can recognize it in real time, I don't even know if I can recognize all mine in real time. I'm pretty quick these days just because I've been doing this work for so, so long that I feel like I should be a master at it, (laughs) but I'm not. Um, So that's the first step is like being able to look back and say, oh, this is what happened. This is a trigger. I have my students inside of Transcend do a trauma timeline, which is helpful to create their life in a timeline to see when certain events happened. And when you are able to look at your life and look at different events, then it's helpful to see, okay, these are the things that could possibly trigger me. But then we're keeping this on an intellectual level and traumas on the body level. So it's not going to be always understood by your logical brain. You know, that actually reminds me of a book I wanted to mention, The Body Keeps Score. Have you heard of that one before? Have you read it? Yeah, absolutely. It is required to be read inside of Transcend. And it is, it's an amazing book. Yes, it talks about the the body keeps score, quite literally, and the body knows what the mind doesn't or the mind forgets, the body remembers. So, I mean, it says a lot more than that. That's very oversimplified for a very long book. It's very in-depth, but I do highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in trauma because it, it does an extensive overview of what's going on inside the body. But yes, you are, if this is a lot of subconscious stuff. It's not conscious. It's not logical mind. We're not able to like think about it or process it through mindset work or talking it out. Like talk therapy is not going to heal your trauma. In my opinion, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. It lives in the body. It lives in your subconscious. It's deeper than that. So yes, you can logically start to be aware of when triggers are happening. But until you understand what's happening to your body and how to feel it on a embodiment level, you're going to miss things. Are you shopping for a new toy? I want to tell you about this new toy that I discovered that I'm absolutely in love with. It is the Tracy's Dog OG Pro 2. This toy is a powerful two-in-one clit-sucking vibrator stimulating both your G-spot and your clitoris simultaneously, where you are going to have a mind-blowing orgasm faster than ever. Let me tell you, the first time that I used this, I pretty much went to heaven. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's where I went. It was so amazing. 
This is the upgraded version of the original viral version, and it comes with a remote. So it's a hands-free blended orgasm that will leave you gripping your bed sheets. This suction vibrator clitoral toy is waterproof, so you can use it anywhere you want. The bathtub, shower, hot tubs, jacuzzis, whatever floats your boat. It's super soft, beautiful, and it's a great toy for all people. Hope you go check it out and enjoy. To get your own OG Pro 2 toy, go to tracysdog.com. I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, the Body Keeps score was one of the things on my journey that led me to hiring a mentor. The first was a friend that had pointed out how my decisions impact other people and kind of brought light to you think not in a selfish way, but you think about yourself and you don't think about how you do impact other people. And then I read attached, which is all about the different attachment styles. And then I read the body keeps score and in the body keeps score, it's super sciencey. It's, it's a tough read, but I was like, okay, there's all these different modalities that we can use to heal but how the hell do I use them? And that's when I personally hired a mentor because I was like, okay, I've got these ideas, but I don't know how to implement them. And I'm the kind of person that needs the how (laughs) and and I need that guidance. If somebody's listening to this and they are wanting to start their healing journey, what is the first step that you really recommend most people to do? Yeah, so you brought up such a good point. We can only do so much on our own. Because especially with trauma, trauma needs a safe place to heal. It needs a safe environment to come out of the body. What a good practitioner, a trauma-informed practitioner, whether that's a coach or a healer or a therapist, what they will do is work on building trust and safety with the client. So if you are someone who's listening and wanting to seek support, Finding someone who is going to take that time to build that trust and foundation with you. And what can happen in relationship is that you can have attunement. And in that, by feeling heard, by feeling seen, by feeling validated, then your trauma can start to heal in layers. Our body's only going to do what we can handle at a certain amount of time caveat unless you're with an unsafe practitioner who forces you into cathartic experiences too fast, which is extremely dangerous. (laughs) So side note, but if you're with a safe person, they're going to allow your trauma to unfold over time as your body is ready to release it. I've worked with people for three months and have gotten a little bit down the journey. I've worked with people for a whole year And we're still working together. I've worked with people for eight months and we've done an enormous amount of work, right? Everyone's different. It's going to depend on the person and how their body is willing to release things in safety. I think that answered your question. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It did. And I'm thinking that a lot of this is really starting with creating safety in the body. And I know a lot of women in particular at an early age, we're taught that our bodies are unsafe. You know, prime example is our period. 
our period is this negative thing that happens every single month. And we're taught to dissociate from this very natural, normal process that happens monthly for us. And learning to create safety within our own bodies is huge. Yeah, 100%. I think it depends on how you grew up. I think that that's probably most people's experience. I think even if they had like a safe way of learning about their period, that society kind of makes it like a pain or a problem. I'm not really sure what the word is, but I think you're onto something there for sure, right? Like it's kind of made to be like not a good thing. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Society kind of, you know, how it's marketed and everything like with growing up with tampon commercials and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and just being a woman is made to not be safe, you know, or not be, I don't want to use the word positive, but I can't think of like the right way to explain the way that society, you know, says women be smaller. Don't talk so loud. Don't do this. Don't do that. Ooh, you have your periods. Ooh, you've got this. Ooh, your body. Ooh, this. And we're getting it from every single direction that our body is not safe. And I think that's kind of like what I was thinking in my head really is that like we just hear it from every angle about every part of ourselves. And that's why that creating safety comes first. With Whether you're working with somebody or not, you still have to create safety in your own body when you are working with somebody too. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. And you know what else? When you were speaking, I was thinking about we're also fed fear, right? From the time we get our period, well, you could get pregnant and then they start shoving birth control down our throats, right? Which I know you speak about a lot with hormone rebalancing. So society definitely has this viewpoint of women, I should say Western society here in America, right? We've grown up with this kind of viewpoint of be scared, be scared of this, be scared of getting hurt, be scared of getting abused, don't wear anything too revealing that could cause you to get abused. Don't have unprotected sex. You can get pregnant. All this fear, right? And yeah, you're right. I think a lot of women have a hard time finding safety in their body. So what does that look like? And sometimes I spend three months with someone just getting them into their body because they're so used to being outside of their body. They've disassociated. They're living in the ether. (laughs) They don't even know that they have a body here on earth. And It's about how do I get into my body and make it so it is a safe place, right? And that takes a lot of reconnection to yourself. That part is something that we can do on our own. Sometimes we need someone to help us figure out what's safe. So sometimes when you have a safe person, it's that attunement to this is safe. Okay, how do I recreate safety inside of myself? But sometimes people, like I said, aren't comfortable getting inside their body. So some things like meditation feel scary, right? So it's about realizing what are your edges? What does feel safe to you? And when I say that, it's like, does safety feel like you curled up on your couch in a blanket? Does it feel like, how do you feel nourished? Do you feel nourished by eating healthy food or like going on a walk, like where do you feel safe? Like where is a place that you feel really safe? Is it by the ocean? Is it in the mountains? Is it in the desert? 
it's usually like a place in nature, right? What natural element feels safe to you? Yeah. Well, and I think that's all really important stuff is how do you create safety in your body? And I know for me, some of the things that I do include kind of having a routine, like a morning routine is really helpful for me. So I usually get up, I get ready for the day, brush my teeth, put my contacts in, and then make my tea. And then I go journal. And then I usually meditate. Sometimes I do my connect to five senses exercise. Sometimes I don't. I stretch right now. And then in my journal, like I've created my own journal. It's actually going to be on Amazon soon. But I've created this journal where part of what I have to do is write down how I'm going to care for myself that day. And the six things that come up every single day pretty much are hydration, nutrition, movement, and sun time or like nature. So either I go out for a walk or I go sit in the sun. It doesn't matter, but I got to like get outside. And those are some ways that I have learned to create safety in my body. Do you have any other like suggestions or ideas for people to try? Yeah, I love that. It's interesting. I'm have a presentation coming up shortly for a group of people in a fitness program. And we're talking about needs, right? And those are all basic needs. You need food, water, <laughs> shelter. Sunlight's not on the basic need list, but I think that that's a basic need as well. You need sunlight because that's a natural source of vitamin D and it's life source, right? It's like what heats our planet. So, it yeah, it's what are the basic needs, right? Getting your needs filled are super important. I think that's like a first step to connecting to yourself of like figuring out what is it that I need. Safety is a different thing. And I think safety is about finding where you feel peace as well, right? So if we're looking at needs, and I was looking at the, the hierarchy of needs, our basic needs are definitely on the floor level is food, shelter, clothing, love, right? We actually need love to survive as humans. So when our needs aren't being met, then that's a whole nother story. Like that could cause you to not feel safe, right? The next level up is financial safety, right? There's a financial safety element of that. So when your finance, when your when your safety is threatened financially, whether you're a kid growing up without enough money or, you know, the last two years, a number of tragic things have happened with finances, right? If you're someone who isn't feeling safe in a financial sense, that's also an, a very low level basic need that needs to be met. And those could cause you to be out of safety. Feeling safe in your body is like, how do you feel peace and comfort and at ease with what is ha happening inside of your body. Beautiful. I love that. You had mentioned that you worked with some of your clients for different lengths of time. How do you know when you are, quote, done healing from your trauma? Well, here's the good news and the bad news. <laughs> bad news, you're never done. <laughs> but you can make significant progress, right? So our healing journey, and I shouldn't say your, your healing of trauma is never done. I don't know that. That's each individual's experience. My personal experience is I've been doing this work for on myself, you know, through my own exploration, therapy, coaching, healing work, 
all the things for what we at 12 years now. So that's a significant amount of time. And what I've noticed is as we heal, it comes off in layers. So as I mentioned before, the body only releases what it can at one time, right? So if we heal something in the relationship sense, then something else might come up in a different sense. And then it comes up in our business. And then it comes up in our health. And then it's like, and then, and then, and then, which is why I'm saying your healing journey is never done. Not meaning that you're broken. You're not. If you want to keep reaching like a new level of, I was going to say happiness, but that's not really the point. I think like contentment, presence, depending on who you are in the world and what your mission is, what you want to show up for, right? To keep being that or to be a healthy human, there's going to be just more and more layers. It comes in different waves. So when something is healed, then something else comes up. <laughs> so I think it's just a journey. And it's, it's important to remember that it's a journey. There isn't a destination. When I work with clients, I think the done question, as you asked, is... I initially work one on, if I work with someone one on one, which I don't do very often anymore, but if I am, I start with four months and then we assess after four months if they want to continue for another four months or if they want to go month to month, right? So I initially like to do four months because I think that that's the minimum amount of time that someone should be working on this stuff because it's a lot. There's a lot of big stuff that could come up. I want to make sure that you're safe, you feel good, you can find your own resourcing within that time to feel good about the work that we've done, right? Three months is not long enough. One and two months, I mean, definitely not long enough. So four months is what I feel like is a minimum amount of time. And then we reassess. At that point, I'm okay with going month to month and seeing what somebody needs. And I've had people end the relationship and go do other things and come back to me. (laughs) So that happens too. But yeah, I think it's individuals. We're never done. We're just doing different things. Yeah, the healing journey doesn't end. Like there's always something else that you can explore and work on and d- new things come up. Like you'll you might have a new trigger that shows up that you've never seen before and now you uncover this whole other area that you may not have noticed before. So I love that. If you have a friend who has experienced trauma of some sort, what is a way that you can help support them? Yeah, I love that question. So the very most important thing that you can do for someone else who's a friend who I'm assuming you have safety created with that person is be a presence, is be a witness, being completely present to what they're sharing. So if you have the ability to, quote unquote, hold space for that person, meaning can you be there to be present to allow them to talk through something? and not need to chime in or correct them or fix anything. If you have that ability, that's really healing. It can be really, really healing in relationships to just be there and witness what someone is going through. Meaning you say, oh my gosh, Jordan, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Do you want to tell me more? I'm here to listen. And then you just listen. Mm, I think that's so beautiful. And I feel like that would be so comforting when you are experiencing a situation. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. They want to fix it. They want to give the solutions. Yep. That's something that I've had to learn a lot 
because I am a projector and projectors have, (laughs) we have the answers and we don't like, I don't mean that in that we have the answers, but we like to think that we have the answers to everything. And so I love to give unsolicited advice. I've been known for giving unsolicited advice. So when somebody now shares something with me, I ask them like, do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to give you my opinion? And I had a girlfriend tell me, this was probably a year ago, she was like, you're so developed now. Because in the past, I would just say like, here's what I think about that. But being able to listen is such a good skill to acquire. Yeah, 100%. So you could say, just like you said, it's perfect, right? When someone brings up something, a really good way to respond is, do you want me to just listen or do you want my advice? And then that person can tell you what they want. So a big part of what I teach is consent, right? You want to ask for permission before you jump into something. And it's not something that we're taught, right? Our school system is like, I don't even know what we learn in school. But this would be really helpful to learn in school. (laughs) There's so many things that would be helpful to learn in school that we don't learn. We learn Pythagorean's theorem. I can't even say it right. You know, the ABC triangle. I don't even know what it is. Whatever. (laughs) Angles. What use is that? Yeah. Like what use is that in our life? Never looked at that again. Yeah. Yeah. So just asking someone, do you want to, do you want me to just listen? Do you want my advice? Do you want my opinion? Do you want me to help you get into solution? That's all just permission. And they'll tell you what they want. Mm, So good. And I love that you brought up consent because this is a podcast all about women's health and sexual wellness. And consent is a huge part of everything in this area. And having that type of consent, I think is important to talk about too. Like, So this has been so awesome to have you chat with me today, Jamuna. I love, 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 love this conversation. And I think that so many of the listeners are going to get a lot of value out of listening to this. If the listeners take one thing away from today's conversation, what would you want it to be? Yeah, I think we talked so much about safety. So I think it would be to start exploring like, what does safety mean to you? I think that's a really important question to sit with and start to explore and and see what your edges are and what where you feel safe and what you're doing that feels safe and like who in your life feels safe. That's another really good way of seeing what your body does around certain people, right? Are you expansive or contracting around different people? Do you, does your best friend, what does your best friend feel like? What does that relationship feel like? Because that's probably a really good indication of what safety feels like in your body. So when we can start connecting inward into our bodies and start paying attention to sensations that are coming up, that's a big one. You'll feel when you don't feel safe. Usually it's in the stomach or a chest or something, but your body will tell you. And so really starting to connect inward and seeing what does it feel like to be safe? What does it feel like in my body to feel safe? I love that. And you're right. The body does tell you, but we have to listen. We have to slow down enough to listen to those little tiny cues that the body is sending us that are very easy to ignore if we're not looking for them. Yeah. I mean, your body tells you with pain you know, we're talking about periods and stuff, right? Your body's telling you something with that too, right? So there's there's always a message that your body is telling you. It's about learning what are the messages. Mm, so good, so good. Where can the listeners find you at? 
Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. So I'm pretty easy to find at Jamuna Rosner. My first name is J-A-M-U-N-A. I should come right up. (laughs) Yes, perfect. And I'll tag that in the bio for this description, bio for this podcast as well. So Jamuna, if somebody wants to work with you on their healing journey and specifically with their trauma, tell me a little bit about what you have going on and how somebody can work with you. Yeah, I would love to. So I have a retreat coming up in October that I would love for any women who resonate with this to come and join. It's really going to be about relaxing in receiving. So not so much about going through a bunch of trauma work, but more about what it feels like to be truly held and taken care of. You also get an amazing photo shoot by my personal photographer and great friend. So it's going to be an amazing time. It's in San Diego, October 6th through 9th. So would love to have you there. I also do a trauma-informed coaching certification. So if you are a coach or a healer or a facilitator of some sort and want to become trauma-informed, that is open. I am actually releasing the self-paced version on Thursday. And you can always reach out out to me for one-on-one work. I, Like I said, I'm kind of moving away from it, but I still do take clients here and there. So those are the ways you can work with me. Love it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for telling us how we can find you. Yeah. Yay. This podcast is sponsored by Intimacy Coaching by Jordan Donnell. Have you ever desired more from your sex life or feel like you're having good sex, but curious about how to make it even better? Are you desiring a deeper intimate connection with yourself? Or maybe you are dealing with desire and arousal concerns or struggling with communicating your desires with your partner. If you're hearing this and thinking, hmm, that might be me, and you're curious to learn a bit more, let's chat. I would love to talk with you more to see if working with me is a good fit for you. To learn more about intimacy coaching with Jordan Denell, go to coaching.jordandenell.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.